Hello, I'm Emily Danielson, and welcome to the Bible Idiots Podcast, your home for the teaching and preaching ministry of Pastor Chris Danielson. Some of you may know that Chris just happens to be my husband, so I am as encouraged as anybody with how impactful and fruitful this work has become. I've been shoulder to shoulder with Chris for decades, making documentary films, doing syndicated and top rated radio shows. So I can testify how his teaching ministry has developed over the years and how it can truly strengthen you in your walk with Jesus. Now today we go back to the book of Ruth for part two of his four part series and I'm confident you will be blessed. Share these messages with your friends and family and anyone that you think may be encouraged in the Lord by these teachings. So let's go now to Fresh Encounter Church in Harlan, Iowa. We're in Ruth chapter 2 with the message Fields of Grace. Here's Chris Danielson. Well, I am psyched about this message today. This is part two of Ruth. And uh, somebody says, well, you got these four chapters of Ruth, and it's a love story between Ruth and Boaz, and how are you going to make four sermons out of it? I'm like, it's not a love story between Ruth and Boaz. That's a lame interpretation, because there's so much more here if you just look. And it's just like that with your neighbor. It's just like that with your kids and their friends. There's so much more going on with your spouse, with your parents. There's so much more going on if you take the time to look deeper. And that's what we're going to do today. So obviously four chapters, a four-sermon series. Guess what chapter we're in today? Two. Man, you guys are so smart here in Iowa. I love being here. You can read the first part of chapter two where Boaz and Ruth meet. But we're going to actually pick it up today in verse 17. And because we have new stand-up, sit-down kind of things going on uh, with taking communion a little bit different, I'm just going to ask you guys to stay seated. But... Honor God by reading his word alongside of me, if you could. Let's start with Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epa of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and so she also brought it out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said, where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and he said, the man's name of who I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, but one of our redeemers. Verse 21. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, when we, we being me and my wife and my kids, we create catchphrases in our house that just organically happen. You can't try to make them happen. When you try to make them happen, they don't stick. But when they organically come about... 
you just say that forever. Like, for example, my oldest is 36 and my youngest is 30, and I have four kids. I would guess that my oldest was in his late 20s when we stopped calling pillows pulas. Because once, when my oldest son was three, named it a pula, it was a pula forever. And we just start gathering these catchphrases, and my granddaughter names our cars. So I don't have a GMC Acadia, I have Snow Wolf. It used to be Olaf, but then she got over frozen, and now it's Snow Wolf. And I will literally, we were at Menards this, this past uh, Friday, and I, I, said to, I said to Emily as we're walking out, where did we park Snow Wolf? She's like, I think you're over here, it's just, it's automatic. Well, another phrase that came up in our life was the phrase, Boaz the situation. I would use that, and I used it so much that Emily said, you can no longer ever say that. And this was about like five years ago. I was, for the last five years, I've not been allowed to say, Boaz the situation. Because it comes up all the time in life. You go to a restaurant, the meal comes out wrong. We're going to Boaz the situation. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, we're not going to get mad. We're going to Boaz the situation. What does that mean? It means redeem the situation. When you bow as a situation in your day-to-day walk, these little moments of time that cause you such grief and cause you such frustration, if you just give it over to Jesus and you redeem that moment through Jesus, you're boazing the situation. And let me tell you, you're living larger in the Lord Jesus Christ than you were if you wouldn't be. So that's what I want you to see the next three weeks. I want you to see the redemption of Boaz that comes in. And it is a forerunner of our kinsman redeemer, which is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ, you can Boaz the situation in your world when things don't work out the way that you want them to. Or even when they are working out, you can add extra blessing, extra redemption to your circumstances. Let's get our context from today. Ruth the Moabite has gone to the field of Boaz to glean barley. While she's there, she meets the owner of the field, which is Boaz. She caught his eye. She ate lunch at his table. He personally served her food. This is probably something that doesn't happen very often in the fields of Boaz. So when she left the field that day, she left with more than she bargained for. And so she returns home that evening, weary and tired from her labors, but she now has a tale to tell. All day, her mother-in-law, Naomi, would have been waiting for her to return with enough grain for a little meal. I, we, don't, we, don't, we don't comprehend at that, at that depth of understanding what that must have been like for Naomi. So, Ruth does return, and she doesn't have enough for a little meal. She's got enough for a week. Not only does she have grain, but she has some good news to tell. And that's what we want to look at in the fields of grace today. We're going to look at this good news in our own walk with the Lord. And there's some parallels to Jesus' blessing along with what we just read in that text, which many people look at as a, as a runover text waiting to get back to the Ruth and Boaz love story. Huh? <sighs> no, it's a redemption story that, infe- uh, it, it, you know, it... it It has infected people for generations, and it affects us, infected and affected. I'm in the moment. It will affect you. It will. The fields of grace, the good news of the field of grace. Well, let's start with point number one. By the way, there's no fill in the blanks today, because I got a little carried away with the scriptures, as you can see. 
And believe it or not, I tamed it back. I cut it back. I mean, this could have even been worse. So no fill in the blanks, just two points, a lot of scriptures, but you've got to stay with me or it'll go right over your head. Satan would love nothing more than to snatch some of this message from you. But point number one, good news about their provisions. We ask God for provisions all the time. And I'm going to break this down into three words, satisfy, show, and share. Let's start with satisfy. These provisions are designed by Boaz to satisfy. When Ruth returns home, she has 25 pounds of barley. This is more than enough to feed those two women for more than a week. This is, uh, this is just an amazing blessing. See, Ruth goes out looking for enough for one meal. She's with the, with the peasants of the time who would glean the corners of the field. That's what they did in that time. And she comes home with enough to feed them for a week. See, Boaz wanted her to get so much. Why? Because he wanted her not to go glean anywhere else. Because the poor people of the day would just go glean the corners of the field. They would walk behind the workers as they were dropped. If, if stuff got left behind, they would drop it. In fact, it says in Levitical, Leviticus law, if you are, green, if you are gleaning and you, you miss some, don't turn around and go back for it. Leave it for those less fortunate that are coming behind you in the field. And our heavenly Boaz is determined to bless his people too. Let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He wants to give you so much spiritually that you will never think of going anywhere else to try to glean. By the way, we're all born with that void in our life that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. We'll try to fill it with just about anything else, won't we? Ruth's words to my Naomi in verse 21 serve to show them that the blessings would continue Till the end of the harvest. Look at verse 21 in your text. It says, And Ruth said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. What does that mean? That means that he is going to keep the blessings coming all the way through the harvest. Don't go anywhere else. Come back here. The Lord doesn't intend to stop blessing you until you leave this world. Then the real blessings begin. Let's look at Ephesians 2.7. It says, So that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So the blessings were also designed to show. Can you see that? Can you, can you picture Ro, Ruth, this, this Moabite girl, taking 25 pounds, throwing it over her shoulder and walking through town? Can you imagine the people in the villages? They weren't all inside with their TVs on. They would see Ruth walking by. Boaz was making a statement to the community. That sack of grain just broadcast, I've got my eye on Ruth and I'm going to be a blessing in her life. That's what the whole community saw when Ruth walked home with 25 pounds on her shoulder. See, God's blessing in your life is in part designed to show a lost world how good God is. He blesses his people to create a desire for him in the hearts of those who do not know him. And it's not always material possessions. You got to get that out of your mind. Sometimes it's spiritual blessings about when everything's falling down around you, but it's well with you, and now you are a light shining to those people who are around you. But it can also be many other blessings. How do you define blessing in your life? Now, we can all define it together. We can get a whiteboard up here and, oh, what do you think? Oh, what do you think? Oh, and we write down what we think blessings are. But you know what you think a blessing is. 
And if you've surrendered to Jesus and you're talking to him, he's going to give you those spiritual blessings. He's going to open your eyes to him. And you're going to see that it's him. And he wants to use those blessings to be a testimony to other people. He gives us grace for living and he wants us to use that grace to demonstrate his power and his glory. I know people who've gone through some incredibly tough stuff and it was still well with them. There's only one explanation that makes sense. And that's that their lives were touched by our heavenly Boaz who blessed them with spiritual blessings that they could not contain even in the midst of hardship. Matthew 5.16 says this. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. A whole message, 30 minutes on this one verse, about how your good works are only good when you're not trying so hard. When it's coming out of good old-fashioned gratitude that you've been saved. And as we live out the real blessings of God, the world is going to be affected by God's work in us. And so that leads to the question, what is the real blessing of God? Is there a scripture that we could look at right now that would really kind of uncork the true blessings of God? Yes. It's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. There's others. But this is, this is kind of like, you know, the number one hit. And, you know, if you're going to get up and do the Bible hits, like you're a band, you know, the greatest hits, and bum, 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 you know, this is one of them. If you go see Bon Jovi in, in concert, you're, you're going to hope that he sings Living on a Prayer. Am I wrong? For those, some, for those of you who don't know who Bon Jovi is, I'm sorry for that reference. If you're going to go see Frank Sinatra in concert, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) This is one of the hits. This is one of the number one smash hits in the New Testament, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Look at it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. A child of God who displays the grace in his or her life is a child of God who walks in victory. Not always. Even those of us who are the most victorious in Christ still have issues. So we don't want the world to look at us, which is when when, when people identify what I'm telling you right now, a lot of times they try to put themselves out there as if they're the blessing. And we see you're hypocritical just like everybody else. You know, people say, I don't want to... I don't want to come to know Jesus because I know some of his followers, they're all, they're all just as bad as everybody else. Yeah, that's why they need Jesus. And then he gives them stuff. A child of God walks in grace. A child of God, his or her life is a victorious life. Bada boom, bada bing. In your face, this is it, right? And so what happens then? We get these blessings, what are we supposed to do? Well, we share. We share our blessings. The bounty of provision that came to Naomi through Ruth was because Ruth was going to share everything with Naomi. But she also then shares the, you know, she shares the remaining portion of her, her lunch with Naomi that Boaz had given her. But now the 25 pounds of barley when she comes in, 
Do you think Naomi has to go every day, Ruth, do you think I can get maybe a handful of grain today from the 25-pound sack while you go out and, and glean? No. It was shared always. You ever hear the phrase, what's mine is yours? That's the Christian inner circle right there. See, Ruth isn't selfish. She wants to share what she has with Naomi. Now, we are not to hoard up our blessings in the Lord. We are to share them with, uh, with others. Whatever we have been blessed with by God has been given us to use for his glory. Again, assuming that you are a born-again Christian, that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, what, you know, whatever you want, authentic Christian, whatever you want to call it, not just playing games with Jesus. If you're playing games with Jesus, some of this doesn't really land with you. I get that. But if it does, we have been blessed by God to be used for his glory, whether it be talent, whether it be God's truth, whether it be a gift, financial resources, whatever, food. The blessings are given so that we might share them with others. Now let me give you a side note. Especially men. Women aren't as bad. Men are worse at this. And that is, you've got to be able to receive the blessing. You've got to be able to receive when somebody wants to bless you. And men in our culture, it's, it's so difficult. Let me give you an example. When I started meeting with uh, Don Keefe, my business partner, in a script writing media company and a film, documentary film company, we used to meet every month about a year before we formed the company. We'd meet every month for lunch, second Tuesday of, of every month. And I'll get this one, you get the next one. And the next one would come, i get it. And so we took turns until we couldn't remember who got the last one. So then we just decided we'd go Dutch. We'd just buy our own meals and it'd be fine. So that same mentality I took to Kansas with my friend Jay Johnson, who's the reason we went to Kansas. And now Jay, he's 10 years older than I am. And he's been a pastor now for 12 years. We both come out of radio. He was the midday guy after our morning show in Arizona. And so we've been connected since 2006. And he's the reason that we went to uh, Kansas. We went to Wing Wednesday every week. We just met for wings on Wednesday. And he'd say, I want to pick up the tab. And I'm like, well, I'll get the next one. He's like, don't say that. And I mean, Jay is the one guy in this world that can spiritually spank me, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> because he's doing it for my own good. There's been a couple times I've had some stuff in the pulpit. I had to go to him, and he had to work through with me. But he said, don't say that. He said, you're stealing my blessing. I want to bless you by picking up this tab. Just say thank you. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But guys, can you, can you feel me? And I mean, I know some of the ladies can too. It's hard for people to give us stuff and bless us and us just simply say thank you. But when you do, you're, ex you're getting an exclamation point on their blessing. When they are doing something for you, when they are blessing you, they are receiving a blessing from the Lord, especially when they're doing it in the right spirit. If you need to repay them, if you need to get the next one, if you need to do something, you're taking away from that blessing. So, folks, somebody wants to give you something. Say thank you and praise God for the blessing. It's, it's, it's a real thing. Ruth got what she did because she was willing to work for it. And she gleaned and she got. And a lot of us have that mentality. So when somebody wants to do something nice for us, it's hard for us just to say thank you and move on. We, we, you know, and look, 
many of you have blessed us off the chain since we've gotten here. And we want to reciprocate. But we don't want to reciprocate like we owe you anything. We've said thank you, and you now have your blessing. But the reason we want to reciprocate is because we want a blessing too for blessing you. Do you see what I'm saying? That's different than you bought me lunch, so now I need to reciprocate to make us even. Versus you bought me lunch, I said thank you, you got a blessing. Next time we're out for lunch, I want to pick up the tab because I want to bless you. Totally different things. Same actions, totally different in the spiritual world. Do you track with me? You following? See, when we put effort into things of blessing, there are results that come from it. Efforts equal results. That goes back to my corporate training days. There's one thing I could never teach people to do. Care. Either you care or you don't. Either you get on board or you don't. I can teach you all the actions, but sometimes you've got to care. And when you do care, you start to work things out. And the same is true in spiritual matters. You get out of something as much as you put into it, whether it be prayer, worship, or just victory in your daily life. It isn't for the lazy. Bad news. It isn't for the lazy. God's best is reserved for those who are willing to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Matthew 16, 24. Not on the screen, but you can write it down. Let's go to point two. Good news about a person. Good news about a person. Man, it's awesome when people are interested in your situation, isn't it? Sometimes that's all we need is somebody to be interested in our situation. That's what I'm so just happy, like to my core, I'm contented to be in Harlan, Iowa, because that's one of the things you all have, is that you're all interested in everybody's situation. We had a bunch of people go down and we're interested in the firehouse situation today, because that's our community firehouse. So we're going to go get, get a meal down there. You get what I'm saying? I watch you guys. You're, a lot of you are concerned with each other's situation in a genuine way. It's so cool. Now, Naomi sees what Ruth has returned with. And she's overwhelmed and begins to magnify the person that has given so much. She can easily see you don't get this much by just gleaning in the poor people field lines in ancient times. She knows that somebody has blessed them with an open hand. And she wants to then pray a blessing over the person who has taken notice of you. Do you notice that? In verse 19, taking notice of you. What does that mean? The word notice conveys the idea of paying attention to, to acknowledge, to know. Naomi realizes that the person who gave them this grain has noticed Ruth and wanted to be a special blessing to her. Naomi doesn't know it yet, nor does Ruth, but Ruth has been noticed by one who is interested in knowing her better. Chapter 2, verse 5, 2, verse 8, 9, 14, and 21. Boaz is interested in her situation. The Lord Jesus is interested in your situation this morning. Wherever you may be in your spiritual journey, Jesus is interested in knowing you better. If you are lost, he's interested in knowing you to salvation. If you are cold and backslidden, he's interested in knowing you intimately, making some changes. If you're defeated, he's interested in leading you to a place of power and victory. The question is, listen now, are you interested in what he has to offer you? Straight up. Are you? See, 
Boaz also wanted to be involved in her situation. He, he, he's now involved. He's now inserted himself into the equation with the way he's blessed her. His open hands and his heart to her are taking steps to improve her condition. He is busy working behind the scenes to do what Ruth needs. He's now involved in her life. And our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Boaz, is also involved in your life. Well, there are times when he cannot be seen. There are times when his hand is not visible. But you can rest assured, have faith. You can rest assured that he is actively working on your behalf to fulfill his plan for your life. Boaz didn't even realize the extent he was being used in the lives of these two women at this point. A lot of times when you bless people, you don't, you don't know all of what goes on. He'd become an instrument in the hand of the Lord. Now, there are three ways in which Boaz is being used by God as an instrument of blessing as we bring it home today. Revival, redemption, and refreshment. I think I got those listed in your notes. Let's go one at a time. Let's start with revival. If you look at chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, you'll see that Naomi is defeated and discouraged woman. I can relate with Naomi when she's there. Everything that they tried didn't work. They even left their country, went out, struggled. Some say that as a Jew, she was in a backslidden condition. However, when Ruth returns from the field of grace with the good news of Boaz, what happens to Naomi? She's once more perked up and restored to a place of worship and victory. God has used this man, Boaz, to encourage the heart of one of his children who he has yet to even meet. Now, let's flip it back to Jesus and you. You might be in a position this morning in which you have allowed your heart to grow cold and hard toward the things of the Lord. 2022, that's not a big leap. I just want to remind you that if you are his, if you are his, he knows where you are. And one day he will show up and set things right in your heart and in your life. And just because you are down right now, you are not out. One of the first steps in getting back to the place of his best blessings is to come before him and deal with whatever is lacking in your life. This challenge comes straight from the Word of God. Let's look at 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some unrighteousness, because you don't know all I've done, Lord. No, all our unrighteousness. Psalm 51, 7 through 12. This is a little bit longer of a run, but go with me on this, please. Verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Anybody ever been there? Talking to God? Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That is an instrument of redemption. 
As Naomi listens to Ruth speak, the wheels of her mind are turning. She hears the name Boaz and thinks, oh, he's kind of a near relative. This means that she thinks he might be a distant relative of theirs. Then she remembers and it dawns on her. And this are the two words that sum up all four messages in this series. Are you ready? He is one of our next kinsmen. He could be a kinsman redeemer. The salvation journey that starts in Genesis 1 and ends in Revelation 22 surrounds itself around a kinsman redeemer who for you and me is named Jesus Christ. And the principles are the same. Now she begins to realize that God's hand is at work here. It is not by chance. It is providence. He has brought Ruth into contact with the one who has the right to redeem them. To redeem their land. Redeeming the situation. If you want to look it up later, it's in Leviticus 25, verses 25 through 34. Leviticus 25, 25 through 34, if you want to get into Levitical law. Because I know most of you do. (laughs) You can almost see Naomi regaining spiritual confidence. And in 2022, in Harlan, Iowa, fresh encounter, the come as you are is fine, but I've, I've said this from the day I walked in and saw that sign. That's it. Leave change. Let's say that you are super Christian. On a scale of 1 to 10, you're a 10 plus. Okay? Let me tell you, you still can leave here changed every week. Because you can come and get your spiritual nourishment for what you got to do. And my job is to feed you good food, fresh bread, every Sunday. That's my job. And you know what? Andy and I are going to work on a little thing for November because he's going to speak for me one time in November when I'm, I get to go see my granddaughters. And we're going to work on it together. You know why? Because coming out of the pastor office oven of this church is going to be fresh bread that smells good, tastes good, and strengthens you even if you're a 10 plus on a 1 to 10 scale Christian. But what if you're not? What if you're zero? What if you're lost? You're going to get an opportunity. And, it, you know, look, when we stand on judgment day, I ain't going to be the one that God points at. If you and I are standing there together and he looks at you, he's going to say, why didn't you believe him? He's never going to look at me and say, you knew and you didn't tell him. Why not? That ain't going to happen, folks. I love y'all. And because of that, I'm going to tell you the truth. And it kind of bites for both of us sometimes. There's no joy and telling somebody something they don't want to hear, but something that they need to hear. You know, if you go to the doctor and he finds out you have terminal cancer, but he's too afraid to tell you because he thinks he might offend you, is he a good doctor? No, he's a quack. Follow? See, as Naomi regains her spiritual confidence, she realizes that the kinsman redeemer has been found by God. He notices Ruth. Ruth comes home with 25 bags, a 25-pound bag of barley. So what is a kinsman redeemer? You had to have three things for this to be true, okay? Number one, had to be related. Boaz is related, chapter 2, verse 1. So is Jesus to you. Jesus is related to you. Look up Philippians 2 sometime. He had to be able to redeem. Now, Boaz is a mighty man of wealth. He had to be able to purchase back the redemption for Naomi and Ruth. Think about how Jesus is able to redeem all who come to him for salvation. If you think Jesus lacks, let's look at two scriptures to encourage you today. Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, Jesus, he, is able to save the uttermost 
That means completely or at all times. That means you cannot sin your way out of God's grace. That means there's nothing that you did that Jesus can't do. Well, what about the uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Come on, let's be real. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you have to be walking with Jesus for quite a long time. And if you haven't, you didn't. And if you're worried about it, you didn't. You know, you want to know who uh, never worries about people who uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? The unforgivable sin? Think about it. Those who don't know Jesus. Make sense? He's a mighty man of wealth, is Boaz, and so is Jesus. Those who draw near to God through him, since he is always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus has the goods. He's got it. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 10 through 14. And by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service. Don't miss this now. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Do you feel it? In remembrance of him, we break that cracker. In remembrance of him, we drink that juice. It's once and for all time. And we come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And some people celebrate in a very quiet, holy manner. Others are more boisterous. It doesn't matter. There's room for you in Fresh Encounter to live out your faith. But that's what it is. It's not some little ritual that we do with, you know, with cracker and juice. It's because for a single offering, verse 14, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Bottom line, Jesus is ready, he's able, he's qualified, and he's equipped. There ain't no other human being that ever lived that's equipped because no one else could be the spotless Lamb of God. Back to Boaz and Ruth. He had a willingness to redeem. Everything Boaz is doing suggests that he would do anything to get to know Ruth. Now, the love story that we want to put on the Lifetime channel starring Meredith Baxter Burney is not happening here. This is a deeper godly thing that's going on. Boaz will do anything to get to know Ruth. God is calling him to be a kinsman redeemer. Think about how Jesus was more willing to pay the price for our redemption. John 18.37 Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, Oh man, I wish so many times when I've read this, I wish I could have been there. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Isaiah 53, 4-6 Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. This is what we remember when we do the communion. Verse 6, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned. Some of you, handful of you, most of you, no, no. Every one of you and me have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. These women in our text needed a redeemer. If they didn't find one, they would live their lives in poverty. If you are not saved, you need a redeemer. If you have one, you have one if you choose to accept him. His name is Jesus, and he died for you. It's pretty much that simple. Now, if you take a minute to think back over what the Lord has done for you if you are saved, then you'll have to admit that you've, you, you must have many reasons to praise his name and rejoice in him this morning. Are you doing it? I see some of you doing it. I love being there with you. And then that refreshment, that, that, that refreshing thing happens. Ruth tells Naomi in verse 21 that she is going back to the field of grace to work until the harvest is un, has ended. In other words, they're going to enjoy plenty because of this man named Boaz. I would argue that every day I can see him reminding the, the, the reapers, yeah, if you see Ruth behind you, don't forget to drop a little extra handful. Every day that she would have a cool drink, he was going to be a blessing to Naomi and Ruth. And we see that in chapter 2. Just a reminder, if any of you are living on spiritual scraps today, Jesus wants to load your wagon. He's asking you, can I load your wagon up? Oh, no. No, no. And if he does, do you tell him, I'll get the next one? He has glory, power, and victory and a blessing for every one of his children. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37. No, 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 no. In all these things, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors because we're just so cool. We're more than conquerors because I'm tough. I've been through a lot. No. You're more than conquerors through him who loved us. But know this. Here comes the hard cheese. This isn't for the lazy. You want to get to that level? For Ruth to get what Boaz wanted to have, she would have to go to the field of grace day by day and work for it. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. <gasps> what? I'm saved by grace. Anyone should boast, not by works. That's true. But look, if you want the best, you're going to have to pay the price in prayer, in holiness, time spent with communion with the Lord, time spent with God just asking him to show you things. I don't know where you live in this town, but where God has blessed me to live, I quit counting at like 21. I've been here since July, and I quit counting at 21, and there's been a dozen more since. And that's these beautiful, I call them field of dream sunsets. They're just gorgeous. 
We've had a beautiful fall. And I just look at the glory of God. And in that time, my walk with the Lord is stronger as I see his glory around me. That's just one of many examples that you start to look for when you're clicking on all cylinders with the Lord. But you've got to work for it. The walk you have with the Lord will be no stronger, no deeper, no greater than you want it to be. If there is a lack in your spiritual life, you might want to check your own heart. For there lies possibly the problem and the solution. You want a psalm of repentance? After the service, look up Psalm 32 and see what David had to say. So in conclusion, do you, do you need to hear some of these truths this morning? Does your relationship and fellowship with the Lord need help today? The first step is to take the step in his direction. If he has challenged you as a believer about your personal walk with him, then today, in a moment, I want you to spend a minute with him. And if he has showed you that you are lost, some people will say, you might be headed towards a Christless eternity. That's really the soft way of saying you're headed for hell. But if you say headed for hell, that's offensive. I don't know if I can go back to that church. They have free donuts, so I have to make a decision. <laughs> There's good news from the field of grace. And it'll never help you until you deal with it on a personal level. Now look, I don't want the band to move. You stay in your seats. But I want you to bow your heads. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't do this very often, but I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And I can't stand when preachers do this and they get the just, you know, we sing 13 verses of just as I am, and if we don't get five conversions today, it's on my report card. I can't stand that stuff. But I also know that we're human beings and we have emotions. And that there's times like this when just you and Jesus can be alone together in your mind right now and in your heart. And I'm just going to ask you, if there's anyone in this room that feels like they need to know Jesus and have never met him as their Savior, if you just slip up your hands right now, I'll come pray with you later in private. Just slip up your hands. Amen. Amen. If there's anyone here whose walk with Christ needs to be completely enhanced and you know that Jesus has saved you but you know your walk ain't what it's supposed to be, just slip up your hands. Amen. 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 I want you to take this moment for yourself. And those of you who've slipped up your hands on the first ask, come see me. We can privately go through this. You'll make, you can make a public confession with a baptism. The rest of you that slipped up your hands on the second question, I'm available for you for a coffee with Chris, for anything else that we may want to do. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer in just a moment. I'm going to ask the band to come forward now. But during this time, as the band gets set up, before I close us in prayer, take this awkward moment of silence and talk to your God. Talk to your Savior. 
Let him strengthen you for a time like this. Let him go deeper with you for a time like this. And whatever your situation, he can redeem it. And then he'll strengthen you and you can go on and Boaz the situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hear your children now as they cry to you. Speak to them as we bring this service to a close and let it be a time of refreshment. Let it be a time of worship. Let it be a time of victory because of the victory you've given us because of who you are. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To connect with us directly, go to BibleIdiots.com and look for the email address in the upper left-hand corner. We would love to hear from you. You can also connect with us on Facebook. Simply search Bible Idiots. I'm Emily Danielson, and if you like what you hear, please share this with the people in your world.